Hello and welcome back to the Punt the QB podcast. I am Rick Navalani at Rick the Punt the QB on the X, Tim. Uh, Tim Singer, Punt QB FF. What's so, up, everybody? So what's going on, Tim? Let's talk about the headlines. Let me let me start with this preface. I wish I made this into like a little audio thing that we could like push a little button and stuff like that. But I just want to bring this up. Jonathan, Jonathan, no! You want me to be Craig, but I could only be Johnny. The Jonathan <laughs> Taylor like soap opera continues the the saga and we do have to update it's like that ongoing uh you know every every uh show has that storyline that yes. carries from episode to episode Last time we left yeah Johnny. <laughs> yeah and, and jonathan taylor uh probably one of the biggest names in the nfl uh except according to irsay um he was not traded by the deadline we had cut down day pass that was the deadline the colts imposed uh they said they didn't receive a good enough offer which is still ironic um, and now he's likely to begin the season on the pup list. It, it, this this is just a story that's not going to end. Yeah, this is just, it's going to be going, it's going to be an ongoing all-season kind of thing. And the, the craziest thing about it is, is that neither one of the, there were teams in, in, interested in Jonathan Taylor. The Dolphins and supposedly the Packers, we're hearing now. But nobody put in a realistic expectation, nobody put in a realistic trade or Jonathan Taylor, as far as Indy was concerned. And what Indy was asking for was not realistic either. They were asking for a first-round pick. They even asked for J- Jalen Waddell. And th- those were just were not going to happen. Yeah. And now, because he didn't get traded by Tuesday, he has been on the pup list. He can't even come off of it now, from what I believe. So he is guaranteed to miss the first four weeks of the season. So anybody that drafted him in the third, fourth round, well, there you go. Now you you don't have a third or fourth-round pick for the first four weeks. And who knows when this guy is going to actually come out to the field. Because... Knowing Ursay, he could just be like, yeah, whatever. You just sit around. Yeah, sure, you'll get paid, but I'm not going to worry about it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't know if this is going to, this might not resolve itself anytime soon. No, and, and that's why, I mean, you, you brought up the fantasy context of it. We had our both our drafts, and we'll talk about that later on in the episode. But uh, I'm, I intentionally steered away. You kept asking me, hey, would you take him here? Would you take him? I'm like, no. The answer continued to be no, and I'm glad. I, uh, it, it, that's the thing is, Okay, so he's guaranteed to miss the first four being on the pup list. Let's be honest. I think the Colts as an organization know this season's a growing season. They don't have expectations. They're probably going to be what the Bears and Texans were last year. This is a, I'm going to throw my rookie quarterback out there right away. We're going to see what we have, and we're going to we're going to start year one of building. So paying a running back doesn't usually go in line with that. Now, secondly, he's only 24, so I don't know why he can't be part of their future. But, I, I, I mean, Irsay is losing the war of public opinion. Yeah, I don't... It, it's like, I don't, you're like, I don't know why he can't be part of their future. This is why he can't be part of their future. Everything that's happened in the past, like, three weeks is why this guy can no longer be part of this team anymore. And I brought it up on Sunday when we were together with everybody. Jim Irsay spent $20 million to try to get a an orca killer whale out into the wild from SeaWorld or whatever. He ended up dying in, in the process, and, and, and I'm not making light of that. I mean, it's a great, noble gesture. But what I'm saying is, you'll spend $20 million to try to rescue a whale, but you won't invest in your own team's best player. True. Exactly. It's crazy. But you know what? This is this is why you know Dan Snyder sold the, the Washington football team, and somebody needed to be the new the new arch nemesis for all everyone to hate owner wise. And Jim Irsay just said, Oh, is this chair open? Yes. Jim Irsay's like, hold, hold my beer. Yes. Let let me (laughs) sit in this chair now. And everyone else is like, really, you really want to do that, buddy? Yeah, I want to do it. So yeah, well, well, welcome Jim Irsay. 
the public opinion is not fond of her gym or day. Yeah, and, and rightly so. And speaking of the best player on a team who wants to get paid, we got a couple more of those that haven't been talked about as much as the Jonathan Taylor saga. Def- reigning Defensive Player of the Year, Nick Bosa, San Francisco's all-pro edge rusher, is still holding out. I, I mean, he's... I, I don't know if it's because this is going on in the West Coast and there's, you know, ESPN has the East Coast bias. I don't know what it is, but like, how are we not getting daily updates on this? This is a big deal. Huge. Yeah. Huge deal. Because, I, I mean, yes, we expect them to be one of the better teams in the NFC. They were in the NFC Championship game last year, but they're not doing it without Bosa. No. No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, this defense is completely different without Nick Bosa. You remember TJ Watt last year when he was out for the Pittsburgh and how that totally costed that team? Like you're gonna, they're gonna learn. <laughs> you're gonna learn today. But you're gonna they, find out yes, today. You're gonna find out if you don't. If you don't figure this out, you're gonna be in big trouble because he's a big part of that defense. Yeah, you're not wrong, and that's the thing is this. I, I know they have good offensive weapons. We believe Purdy can be Brock Purdy can be what he was last year, but there's no guarantee there. They're not winning an NFC Championship. Maybe not even their own division without Nick Bosa on the field. Now I will give. Uh, Shan- Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch credit. They have had these situations before where they've had to get last-minute deals with their players. Remember Debo Samuel, yeah. you know, uh, Kittle. Both these guys were holding out for better contracts, you know, looking for better money, and they ended up getting it done. So I will give them the benefit of the doubt on this one, but I just think it's funny that we're not getting the daily updates on this like we were the Jonathan Taylor story. You know what? They don't have Trey Lance on the books anymore. You don't have Jimmy G on the books anymore. Brock Purdy is like an $800,000 a year quarterback. Nobody is spending as little on quarterback as the San Francisco 49ers. So, yeah, at some point, the big guys, the other big guys got to get paid. And not only that, but like that's a perfect reason why you need to front load it. Yeah. Give them the guaranteed money up front, front load that deal while you're not paying Brock Purdy. Yes, this is your chance now to get the to get the skill positions all signed up and go for it with you know, the, the the rookie deal quarterback. Absolutely. And one more star defensive player who feels they're underpaid, Chris Jones. I, I brought it up a couple episodes ago, but it's still he still hasn't reported. He still is showing no indications of he's showing up. So far, Chris Jones, who's, who's holding out the all-pro defensive tackle for the Chiefs, he's holding out. He so far has been fined $1.3 million and does not care. Yes, he said he'll see a week eight if that's if they're gonna hold him if they're gonna hold him hostage and not give him a new contract. He's not yeah. coming into week eight. I and you love know the tweet where he's yeah. like, I got the money. Yeah. Doesn't even care. This guy clearly does not care. <clears throat> Let me put it in context for you. This man in the last five years has had fifty six and a half sacks from the interior. Yeah. You don't see that. Edge rushers don't do that in a five-year span. This guy's done it from the interior. Yep. And as much notoriety as Mahomes and, and Andy Reid and Kelsey get, they don't win another Super Bowl without Chris Jones. Chris Jones. I mean, Frank Clark is gone. Do you, they don't, they definitely not winning another Super Bowl in the, without Chris Jones, are they? Yeah, no, no. And and the fact of the matter is, is that if Aaron Donald is not in the league, if Aaron Donald isn't a thing, then Chris Jones is getting a lot more pub than, than he gets. Yeah, which blows my mind because I know Aaron Donald plays in L.A., but Chris Jones is on the defending Super Bowl champions. I, I don't. I, I just don't see why there's not a rallying cry for him. Two teams that are Super Bowl contenders that are missing their best players on defense. You better figure this out because this season can get away from people real quick when you're talking about the first 
eight games of the season where Chris Jones is saying he he's fine with sitting it out. Well, especially the Chiefs. They play in a stacked AFC. Let's not pretend like they walked to a tie, uh, the Super Bowl last year. That is a stacked AFC who I feel has only gotten better. Yeah. All right, Tim. So now we're going to get into uh, an episode here where we just talk about all the NFL awards and where we're going to go with our predictions. Who's the favorite? Who do we like? Who's the long shot that we like? And, yeah, I mean, what do you want to say about it? Yeah, no, we, throughout the preseason, or offseason, whatever you want to talk about, all these episodes that have led up to week one, and dude, as we speak, we're a week away. It's freaking awesome. But as we've led up, if you listen to our division episodes, you get an idea who we like to win each division and who we like to win each conference. We actually talked about it in the first couple episodes. We want to kind of bring it whole, cycle it back, our official predictions for the upcoming season as far as the award winners. And um, so, yeah, like you said, we've got each significant category and we're going to start right out of the gate with coach of the year but our prediction for the 2023 coach of the year now last year's winner was brian dayball head coach of the new york giants uh, rightly so we, we, we we've covered that already now the betting favorite going into this season is everybody's darling the lions their head coach dan campbell he's the betting favorite at plus 850 who was your favorite long shot for this one my favorite long shot is frank reich I like Frank Reich for Coach of the Year because I I've said it before in the in the divisional stuff that the Carolina Panthers are are my pick to win the NFC South. I know their offensive line hasn't looked good and Bryce Young has been running for his life in the preseason, but I think that that's going to change once the season starts here. I think that you don't show your hand. I think that they're going to be okay, and if they do win that division, I think Frank Reich coming in in his first season with a rookie quarterback can win Coach of the Year. I can see it. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, can't argue with that. Uh, my favorite long shot, if you will, Zach Taylor from Cincinnati. He's plus 3,000. You know what? The, the one thing that I think that I've been seeing a lot of is is the, the long odds for some of these really great coaches are because you're going to run into that problem of is it them or is it the great quarterback? Whereas I feel like if you don't have a great quarterback, you have a better chance of winning. Like, like Brock Purdy taking this the 49ers as far as he did. Does Brock Purdy get credit for that or is it Kyle Shanahan? I think Kyle Shanahan gets more credit for that solely because he did it with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. He did it with, I mean, even Josh Johnson had some flashes. I mean, he, pretty much anybody that's been his quarterback since he took over, he's had at least mild success with. Yeah, but if you look at like the, the, the long shots to win Coach of the Year, you've got some of the better coaches out there. Andy Reid. Um, Zach Taylor, you know what I mean? Some of, some yeah. of the bigger teams, the, the Michael uh, Dom McDermott for the Bills, because if you have a, a really strong MVP caliber quarterback, it's going to be very hard to be coach of the year when, you're, when your quarterback is playing that well. Yeah, I hear you. So we've been over who the batting favorite is. We've been over our favorite long shot. Who is your pick for 2023 coach of the year? My pick for coach of the year is Mike Tomlin at plus 2,000. And I think this is, this doesn't even fall into, if they end up making a charge if they make the playoffs and they make a charge to possibly win that division he should absolutely win it and it's not even the fact that that of what he's done this year i it's like the academy awards sometimes you just give it to a guy because it's like a lifetime achievement awards like this guy has done it and he's done it for so long and he's never gotten it and he deserves it my pick is mike tomlin and like i said we we don't Talk about this ahead of time. We don't practice. It's whatever. plus 2,000. Yeah, plus 2,000. He has never won AP Coach of the Year, which blows my mind. 15 yeah. seasons, never finished under 500. I think the Steelers are going to be better than people give him credit for this year. More on that later. 
But yeah, my pick also is Mike Tomlin at plus 2,000. I think it will be similar to one of those where a Lifetime Achievement Award because they're going to achieve better, and I think Pickett takes a giant step second year. Yeah. All right, so let's 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 segue that into what a, what a Lifetime Achievement is, and that's Comeback Player of the Year, and that's DeMar Hamlin coming back and playing football. Now, we want to talk about, um, obviously, this is the favorite for Comeback Player of the Year is DeMar Hamlin at minus 285. It's a minus, minus money, money for a futures yes, bet. That insane. blows my mind. Okay, but the, like, even though he might not, I don't think with his performance on the field he'll be. But the perform, the fact that he came back and in, in is playing football again needs to be recognized. That being said, he's he should not be the comeback player, and, and I don't think he will. Now, last year's winner was Geno Smith. He was nowhere near the top favorites going into the year. I think people thought he'd lose his job to Drew Locke. Now, as you mentioned, the betting favorite is DeMar Hamlin, a minus 285, which is mind-blowing for an award at the beginning of the season. Um, Now, you mentioned he's the betting favorite. As far as a long shot, who's your favorite long shot to win this one? This is going to really stun people. My favorite long shot is Baker Mayfield at plus 7,500. If Baker, if if the Tampa Bay Bucks get to relevancy, and I'm not even saying they have to make the playoffs, if they get to eight and nine, nine and eight, and they are actually competing in the NFC South, and Baker Mayfield throws for 25 touchdowns and and 3,500 yards, I'm not saying that he's going to do it, but I'm saying if he does, there there's no reason why this guy couldn't be comeback player of the year. Yeah, that's the definition of long shot yeah. right there. Yeah, absolutely. My favorite long shot, and I know it's going to sound weird, Sam Darnold. Uh, he's plus 4,500, so of course qualifies for long shot. On the off chance that Purdy is not fully healthy or he gets hurt early on, and Sam Darnold hops in, and Kyle Shanahan is is able to work his magic with him like he has other people, and he leads him to an NFC Championship game, I, I, I could see a clear path for Sam Darnold winning comeback player. And you know what's crazy is, is that he's the backup on the 49ers, and he's 4,500. And Baker Mayfield is plus 7,500, and he's the starter for a team that won their division last year. Madness. How crazy is that? 30 times more. You know, like 30 more. Yeah. 30 to 1 more over that. That's insane. All right, who's your pick for Comeback Player of the Year? My pick for Comeback Player of the Year, since we're going with the narrative that this award usually is, John Michi third, Houston Texans wide receiver. He's plus 2,800. I just feel like if DeMar Hamlin... Uh, listen, he made the opening day roster. I think that's cool. I don't know that he stays on the roster the whole season. Um, and if they're looking for a narrative, they're looking for a story. If if John Michi plays double-digit games for the Houston Texans, I think that that's all the opening they need to give him this award. I, I totally get it. Between him with his... Uh, uh, what do you have? Uh, Non-Hodgkin's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah. Right? Not, not, not leukemia, sorry. The non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and the fact that he came back from that. And DeMar Hamlin coming back from what he did. But let's talk about the injuries of Tua Tagovailoa. And let's talk about that. If Tua, if Tua stays healthy and he throws for, you know, 4,500 yards, 5,000 yards, and Miami wins that division, which is, I think, in the realm of possibility with how Buffalo's offense, I feel like with the, fat, with the lack of receiving targets that they've had in the wide receiver position, it's pretty much just Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. And if something happens to Josh Allen, I mean, you tell me, is there a team? I don't know if there's a team that's as reliant to their starting quarterback as Josh Allen and the Bills are this year. Yeah. I always said it before with Rodgers and the Packers, but I don't know if there's a team that, with the with how hard that AFC East is, 
if Josh Allen goes down, is is Buffalo probably in the t- in the in the cellar? Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, so, that's all it would take. So if Tua stays healthy and he has a season which we know he can, because if he just if he just um you know takes that takes that small sample size we saw last year with Tyreek and Waddle with his yards passing and his touchdowns and some of that, and he spreads that out over a whole season, man, he could be the he could be the comeback player of the year. It's twenty to one. I like it. Yeah. Absolutely. Great, great price on that one. Moving on to the next one, we have Offensive Player of the Year. Now, last year it was a no-brainer. It was Justin Jefferson. This award has pretty much become, you're the best player, but you don't play quarterback. Yeah. So we we, we acknowledge we can't give you the MVP because you're not a quarterback. So you're the best offensive player, and that's what this award is. You become. literally have to have a season out of your mind to be the MVP and not be... Yeah, you'd have to shatter two long-standing yeah. records. I mean, I think Ladainian Tomlinson had what had the the touchdown record, and he didn't even he won offensive player. You didn't win it. Yeah, and that's what this award has become. Yeah. Like I said, I mentioned last year, uh, I was Justin Jefferson. The betting favorite for this award is Jamar Chase at plus eleven hundred. As far as your favorite long shot, who you got for me? Travis Kelsey. It's forty to one. If Travis Kelsey puts another season together like he did this season. And he is the leading receiver for that Kansas City team. You, I don't see that in a position that never gets recognized. It needs to be recognized. I hear you, and I know two guys that are rooting for it. Yes, <laughs> uh, my favorite long shot at plus thirty five hundred. I'm on Ross St. Brown. I think I found a way to mention him at some point in every episode. But yep. uh, I, I'm telling you, if if the Lions win that division and they get a high seed in the NFC. And he carries that team offensively. I think he'll be recognized. So, long shot. I'm on Ross St. Brown, thirty five hundred. How about your pick for OPY? OPOY. Offensive Player of the Year. My pick is the favorite, Jamar Chase. I think just like last year with uh, Justin Jefferson. I think if you're going to talk about somebody that's going to put it together and put all of it together, I mean, I don't think Jamar Chase is going to lead the league in receptions because he's not that type of receiver. He's more of a, you know, he he gets the 30-yard touchdown, he gets the 50-yard touchdown. He, you know, he makes the big long deep plays and stuff. But if he gets himself into the into the realm of 12 to 15 touchdowns, I don't see any reason why this guy shouldn't be offensive player of the year. I hear you. My pick for offensive player of the year, Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Plus 2000. I think it was either it was one or the other. Yeah. I I I'm with you. I I think everything you said about Tua can be echoed. For Tyreek Hill, if Tua stays healthy, Tyreek Hill already had a good year last year. If Tua can stay healthy the whole year and the Dolphins win that division, I, I think a lot of it is because of Tyreek Hill. And so Tyreek's I, calling for 2,000 yards receiving, and if he does it, then he should probably win it. Yeah, so at plus 2,000, I'll take that all day. All right. So now we go from the Offensive Player of the Year to the Offensive Rookie of the Year. So, Tim, what, are you, what do we got on the history of this one? Yeah, last year's winner for Offensive Rookie of the Year was Garrett Wilson, who plays for the New York Jets. That that helped. Um, so the betting favorite going into this year is Bijan Robinson. No surprise, he's plus 275. Not the best of value for a future bet. Now, let's get into our favorite long shots, because... Um, at plus 275, I don't know that there's good value there on Bijan Robinson. But as far as a long shot, my favorite long shot, Quentin Johnston, the wide rookie wide receiver for the Chargers. We've both documented thoroughly how we think they're going to have a great offense this year. And at plus 2200, I think that's good value. Yeah. Uh, mine is, my long shot is at plus 1800, it's Zay Flowers. I think Zay Flowers is going to be the the number one receiver 
and I don't think it's going to be by the end of the season. I think to start the season, out of all those receivers, Rashad Bateman and Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Zay Flowers, I think Zay Flowers is going to be the best receiver on that team. And I don't think there's going to be any doubt of it within the handful of weeks. Yeah, I, I hear you. I started to write him down, and I was like, oh, I know Ricky likes him. But now, my pick for offensive of the rookie of the year, it's going to be a boring one, but I, I just think it's what's going to be John Robinson. I, I think it's his award to win. I think he's going to get the most opportunities. I, I don't know that any of the rookie quarterbacks will have enough success to win it. So my pick for offensive rookie of the year 2023 is Bijan Robinson. I, I could totally see that, but once again, I I'm all over I'm all over the Panthers here on the NFC South. So if you're going to be on the NFC, if you're going to be on a team, then then you've got to then you then you got to follow it all the way because let's face it, if the Atlanta Falcons win the NFC South, Bijan Robinson is rookie of the year. But if the Carolina Panthers win the NFC South, then Bryce Young will be the the rookie of the year. I, I hear you. Bryce Young, offensive rookie of the year, plus five hundred. When he is the first pick overall, he is the best quarterback coming out of the draft, and he is in. He is not even the favorite. I hear you. Yeah, I I hear you. Moving on to defensive player of the year, we already referenced uh, who the winner was in our earlier segment. Uh, Nick Bosa won last year's defensive player of the year, and uh, is still not on the field for the Niners. Yep. The betting favorite going into this year, to no one's surprise, if you don't play for New York, the other team that gets all the attention is Dallas. Yes. So, of course, the betting favorite is Micah Parsons. At the star. At, at plus 500. Now, a long shot. Who is your favorite long shot for Defensive I, Player of the Year? I actually wrote two down because I was having a really hard time deciphering this. So, you'll have to forgive me. I, I have two well, this favorite is, long this shots. This is a half a unit couch change kind of play yes, that some exactly. you're considering anyway. Exactly. So, even if you wanted to split it up between these two, go for it. I'm okay. We, I brought it up before in the podcast when we were bringing up the NFC South. And I'm going back to the, going back to the Panthers. Brian Burns at plus 3,000. It's 30 to 1. And what is it for a five dollar bet? You win one hundred and fifty. It's five bucks. Brian Burns is the leader on that defense. Brian Burns, uh, it was a guy that had about thirteen sacks last year. His over over or under is is about ten and a half this year. I think he goes over that. I think he is. Once again, if the Carolina Panthers have as good of a defense as they did last year, they need to start getting some putting some respect on that name. And Brian Burns is the name that I'm going to put on there. And then the other one, my other long shot was if the if Nick Bosa comes back and he's not the same Nick Bosa because he's been sitting out all preseason and the 49ers defense still does it the way that it is. Fred Warner at plus 4,500 is a beast. I love Fred Warner. He is actually the unsung like monster behind Nick Bosa. He is like, he's like the two headed monster and he's the one that nobody seems to recognize, but Fred Warner is a beast. And at 4,500, I think that's great odds. Yeah, I hear you. And, and again, the definition of a long shot, yeah. two great picks. My favorite long shot Kayvon Thibodeau from the New York Giants. You know what the first part of Giants is? New York. Yep. So if it's close, if guys are you know competitively close or whatever, New York always gets the edge. So at plus 5,500, I thought it was worth a sprinkle on Kayvon Thibodeau. Who's your favorite? My pick to win Defensive Player of the Year, to no one's surprise, TJ Watt. Uh, plus 850, I just... The guy, what he was able to do while on the field last year, if he could put it all together and stay healthy, I feel like it's his turn. We've seen Aaron Donald win this award. We've seen we've seen this award get passed around to the best defensive players. Nick Bosa is the reigning defensive player of the year. I just think it's T.J. Watt's time. Remember that game when they when they tied the Bengals in Week One, 
And TJ Watt was all over the field on that one. Amazing. And then he got hurt and he missed all those games and stuff like that. But man, that dude was everywhere. He is also my pick for defensive player of the year. I mean, I don't even think it's close as far as who I think, as far as like on the favorite side, I think TJ Watt, man, that, that defense moves through him. That whole team beats through him. And if we're talking about both of us have the belief that the Steelers are going to be a pretty good team this year. And TJ Watt's going to have a big part of that. Absolutely. Okay, buddy. Next category we got. So we just did Defensive Player of the Year. We have Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, last year's winner was Sauce Gardner. Uh, and the Jets represent what city? New York. New York. No, you it's don't all say. all New York. You don't say. Yeah, Coach of the Year. <laughs> uh, offensive Rookie of the Year. Defensive Rookie of the Year. But yeah, Sauce Gardner won last year. The betting favorite this year is Will Anderson. The third pick in the draft, the edge for Houston at plus 400. Long shot. Who is your favorite long shot for defensive rookie of the year? Big surprise. It's New York. <laughs> it's corner the New York Giants cornerback Deontay Banks at, at 30 to 1. It's plus 3,000. And that is more or less when we talk about offensive player of the year and we're talking about like our long shots for uh, offensive rookie of the year, the wide receivers. So. Who's going to start getting all of the big pub for defensive players? It's it's like Sauce Gardner. It's the guys that are shut down cornerbacks coming into their first season, in my opinion. I know you got your Will Anderson and you got your uh, Jalen Carter, but interior defensive linemen don't usually win um, Rookie of the Year. So kind of lean off of the long shots that were, you know, li interior linebackers. They're not going to win them because their interior linebackers only get tackles. They don't get sacks. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So give me... Um, give me the cornerbacks. I think it's I think it's the cornerbacks' time to get recognized for all that stuff. Just like Sauce Gardner, if you play well, you're going to get recognized. Give me Deontay Banks because he's in New York at thirty to one. I hear you. My favorite long shot for defensive rookie of the year, Joey Porter Jr., cornerback from Pittsburgh, plus twenty five hundred. I, I I think I've said that Pittsburgh I think is going to be better than uh, people think, and Joey Porter Jr. is a legacy. So. It, if it could be one of those on award night where his dad gives him the award, you know, yeah. it would kind of be extra special. With him mm -hmm. plus twenty five hundred, uh, he's my favorite long shot. Who is your pick for twenty twenty three defensive rookie of the year? Christian Gonzalez plus nine fifty. Uh, the he's the better. There was it was I was kind of flip flopping between him and Devin Witherspoon, but it's New England. It's Belichick. If Belichick, if New England's going to keep having a number one defense. Um, they're going to have a, a pretty good corner there in, in Christian Gonzalez. And I think Christian Gonzalez, a plus 950, is really good odds. And Belichick just brings out the best in the guys that he wants. And he wanted Christian Gonzalez, and I think he's going to he's gonna be really good for him. I hear you. I hear you. My pick for 2023 Defensive Rookie of the Year, Will McDonald IV. The edge for, you guessed it, the New York Jets. I, I just feel like... If it's close, if there's guys or whatever, they just find a way to get it on New York teams. And uh, at plus 2,200, that's actually uh, pretty good value for, for somebody who I think is obviously not the favorite, Will Anderson is, but I, I think he, uh, if, if he does anything decent on the edge for the Jets, he's going to get recognized. I think, yeah, I, I think that you can't really go wrong with uh, edges. It's edges and cornerbacks right now, or, or outside linebackers, because it's those guys that are either going to get the sacks or the guys that are going to be breaking up plays. Because guess what everybody likes to watch? Everyone likes to watch them passing the ball, and everyone likes to see passes the ball, which ends up in sack. Yeah, it's the sexy stuff. Nobody yeah. watches the, the linebacker that uh, jammed up the hole and stopped it to a two-yard run. Nobody cares about that. Yeah, yeah. It's even like with the uh, – it's it's going to be really hard for um, 
Will Anderson to win Rookie of the Year, even though he's the favorite. Because guess how many primetime games Houston has? One? Yeah. One. The minimum. Exactly. So yeah. when you got somebody like um, Jalen Carter um, disrupting the middle of the field and he starts, he does, he has two or three massively good plays on primetime television, that just totally boosts him up to be one of the favorites right there. When you're talking about the New York media and New York, you know, Dallas, those teams are always going to get primetime games, even if they're bad. Yeah. They're not getting they're not getting subbed out for other t- other games. You're not wrong. All right, the the big award we're going to say for the end here uh, we are giving our predictions for the leaders. So the rushing leader for the 2023 season last year was Josh Jacobs at 1653. The betting favorite heading into the 2023 season is Nick Chubb at plus 450. Who was your favorite long shot to win the rushing title for 2023? My favorite long shot is Najee Harris. I think it once again we keep coming back to Pittsburgh. It's it's unfortunate that we keep coming back to it, but at twenty five to one plus twenty five hundred, Najee Harris, he's a guy that can be the workhorse back. He's a guy that if if they wanted to, Kenny Pickett can only throw ten passes in a game because if Najee's on, then then they don't need to worry about passing the ball. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, my favorite long shot is Tony Pollard. He's plus 1,600. So I, I guess for a futures bet, that qualifies for a long shot. Um, I, 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 I've i gone on record as saying that I think they're going to run the ball a little bit more, a little less of the free pass than Kellen Moore did. And that so that's right up the alley of Tony Pollard on his first opportunity on his own. So Tony Pollard is my favorite long shot. My pick for the rushing leader is is, to no surprise, Nick Chubb. At plus 450. I know there's not a hell of a lot of value. There's not a heck of a lot of drama. But he's getting his opportunity without Kareem Hunt. And he's just an absolute beast. So I, I think Nick Chubb is the rushing title winner for 2023. What about yeah. you? Give me Derrick Henry at plus 900 on Bet Rivers. Um, this is, once again, this is, I you know, if you're not going to pick the favorite, you might as well pick somebody that has really good, has better odds. And 9-1. to one, for Derrick Henry to lead the league in rushing is pretty awesome. If he stays healthy, he'll get it. Yeah, I mean, at 9-1, to one, you, you really can't beat that. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about a guy that on, on DraftKings was pretty much like neck and neck with Nick Chubb, Chubb in the odds, to give me an extra, you know, 250 on the odds, I'll take it. Oh, absolutely. I, I usually uh, stump for our friends at DraftKings, but if you can find better odds, find them. Yeah. All right, so now let's go to uh, receiving yards. So Tim, uh, the the favorite for to be to lead the league in receiving yards, obviously no big surprise there is Justin Jefferson at plus five fifty. Yeah, well, gee, who who won last year? Justin Jefferson yes. with eighteen oh nine. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But who is your long shot for to lead the league in receiving yards next season? Uh, stop me if you if you've heard this name from my mouth before. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Uh, he's plus thirty five hundred, so that fully qualifies for a long shot. And again, I I just feel like. The Lions will be better this year, and he will be the focal point of that offense. So give me Amon Ross St. Brown at plus 3,500, his favorite long shot to be the receiving leader. I'm going to say Stephon Diggs. It's 20 to 1. He's on a team that doesn't have very many passing, receiving options, I should say. Josh Allen always seems to um, kind of lock in on him whenever like times are tough, if you will. Um, Gabe Davis, he's... He did kind of disappointed Gabe Davis from what everyone expected him to do last year. And Stephon Diggs is just a, a model of consistency um, on the field, maybe not off the field, but on the field, he, he gets it done time and time again. And speaking of guys that get it done on the field, my pick for the 2023 receiving leader, Tyreek Hill, plus 
plus 900. Uh, I was surprised that he was plus 900. He had 17-something last year. I, I just feel like the Dolphins put it together this year. I feel like Tua can stay on the field, and Tyree Kill is the biggest benefit. So give me Tyree Kill for the 2023 receiving leader. What yeah, say you? I got Tyree Kill as well, plus 900. I mean, he's not he's not wrong when it when he's when he's making claims about how he wants to do he wants to be the first receiver to hit 2,000. He's not wrong. He can do it. He's got that speed, and Tua just launches the ball down the field. I mean, you could just overthrow that guy by 10 yards, and Tyreek Hill will probably catch up to it. Yeah, you're not wrong. Moving on to the other major leading category, the passing leader. 2023's passing leader was the MVP himself, Patrick Mahomes, with 52.50. The betting favorite going into this year, guess who? Patrick Mahomes at plus 275. So they, they're going chalk. They, they don't see any big surprises. Not chalk is a long shot. Who's your favorite long shot to be the passing leader? It's Tua at plus 2200. I mean, it's 22 to 1. And if the guy stays healthy, he's pretty much going to be in the top five for passing yards. If, he's, if he plays every single game, he will be in the top five for passing yards. Yeah, my favorite long shot is Tua as, as well. Plus 2200. If if we think Tyreek Hill, and we both do, if we t- think Tyreek Hill is going to re- lead the league in receiving, well, part of that is going to be his quarterback. So, yeah, yeah I, at 2,200, I think that's good. For pick to be the passing leader, who was your official pick for the 2023 passing leader? Uh, Justin Herbert, plus 650. I mean, he's he's going to be, when we talked about it, there, if anybody's been listening to this podcast, everyone knows that we both think the Chargers offensively are just going to be a workhorse. I think that, I told you before they were one of my picks to be there by pick. They have the most points scored in the league this year on offense. I can't say the defense is going to help them out as much as it needs to, but I think they're going to be the highest scoring team in the NFL this year. And part of the, a big part of that is going to be for the fact that Justin Herbert is just monster putting up numbers this year. My fantasy team hopes so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, we did not practice this, guys. I, I, my pick for the passing leader for 2023 is Justin Herbert. Plus 650. Uh, he slides in uh, under, uh, he, he's better odds than Patrick Mahomes uh, for everything you just said, Justin Herbert. And that finishes us with the 2023 MV Award Series with the MVP. Last year's 2020, uh, 2022 MVP was Patrick Mahomes. This year's favorite for MVP is Patrick Mahomes. At plus what? 600. You don't say. <laughs> you don't say. Give me a long shot for MVP. Geno Smith at 40 to 1 at plus 4,000. I, the more I the more I'm paying attention to Seattle and San Francisco with Nick Bosa being out, the more I'm like, oh, oh no, I don't. Most of my say, I'm like now starting to worry about my San Francisco bets before we get into the season. Have virus remorse. We haven't even gotten to a week one. But <laughs> if if Seattle uh, comes up and upends San Francisco, and let's say they win 11, 12 games. And Geno Smith puts up an even better season than he did last year. And he has the receiving targets now with adding Jackson Smith and Jigba to to get to be even better. And if he does, uh, you know, he could very well be be an MVP candidate. I hear you. Absolutely. My favorite long shot for MVP, Brock Purdy at wow. plus five thousand. Long. That, that is a long that shot. is long. We know it's a quarterback award. And if he stays healthy and puts up good numbers and leads them to one of the top two seeds in the NFC and the NFC Championship game, I think that would be a great story for them to do on that awards night they do with the week of the Super Bowl. I think that would just be 
from from Mr. Irrelevant to MVP would be a great story that the NFL wants to tell. Oh, yeah, absolutely they want to tell it. It's probably in the script already. Yes, <laughs> that commercial was great, by These the way. These commercials are great. What if, they, what if I just got rid of my legs and got wheels? What? Awesome. <laughs> All right, let's make it official. Our picks for 2023 MVP, who you got? Justin Herbert, 12 to 1, at plus 1,200. I think that the Chargers are going to put up massive amounts of, of offense this year. I think Justin Herbert is um, could very well, like I said, he I have, I have him to lead the league in, in in passing yards. I believe he's going to lead the league in, in passing touchdowns. I believe he, I believe he's going to they're going to put up a monster amount of points this year. I hear you, and I hope so. But my pick for MVP this year, Joe Burrow, plus seven fifty. I think we both think the Bengals are going to be very good. And this is his last year to showcase himself before he becomes the next next big dollar quarterback. So uh, give me Joe Burrow for MVP at plus seven fifty. Yeah, I mean with, with Joe Burrow, I mean that was that was it was him and Justin Herbert in my opinion. If I'm gonna if you're gonna pick somebody new, it's gonna be one of those two guys. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, buddy. Now we ended last week's episode with our coverage of the fantasy season, if you will. This past weekend, because this upcoming weekend is Labor Day weekend, this past weekend was probably one of the biggest draft weekends, for you will. For us, it was. We had both of our seasonal drafts, uh, one in the morning and one in the evening. So I thought it'd be fun to just kind of share for anybody who still has to draft what we learned from ours. You know, and, and for me, if you'll allow, biggest thing I noticed is why receivers are going early and often, regardless of format. Our draft in the morning was a standard league. And that was the league we were telling everybody last year where 11 of the first 14 picks were running backs. Oh, no, my friend. Not this time. Yeah, no. In the first two rounds, 13 wide receivers went. The first two rounds, we had totals. 13 receivers, 9 running backs, 1 tight end, 1 quarterback. So wide receivers went early and often. And, of course, in our PPR draft, same thing. Wide receivers went early and often. And, uh, you know, just there were some tough things. If you have your draft before cutdown day, things like JT going at, at, at 212 are going to happen. Yeah. Our guy with the first pick ended up taking, it was his pick, yeah. ended up taking uh, Jonathan Taylor at 212. Uh, a polarizing guy this draft season. You know, the, the other league we were in, he was a third round pick. So the talent's still there. But when you got a draft before the stuff comes out, you got to speculate. Yeah. It definitely sets that team back. You know, that team is already now without their second round pick and the RL League is without its third round pick. What I want to talk about is <clears throat> is at in our league, in our in our thirty year league, the the one we did in the morning, our standard league, is at three, I passed up on a quarterback, and when it was time to come back, they were pretty much all gone. The the top tier guys. Um and that's the one thing is is that I think a lot of people recognize what we were saying in the quarterback episode is you got to get one of those top quarterbacks or else you could bury in for a really rough season. <laughs> yeah, you say you had spot three, but you, yeah. what you're referencing is the fourth round. Yeah. You know, there was that turn. Um, and that's one of the things I wrote down. In, in that league, Trevor Lawrence was the quarterback cutoff. It seemed he went 5-1, mm -hmm. and then there was two clear rounds before another quarter got, quarterback got drafted. And we saw the same thing pretty much happen in, in our night draft, our PPR league. And I was like, I talked about wide receivers going early and often, but basically a lot of people decided there was clear tiers. So when it came to the wide receiver position, the quarterback position, and the tight end position, they were doing the tiers, and then there was a cutoff. Now what you referenced, the quarterback cutoff. 
what we believed, a lot of people believed as well. There was a top eight, you know, uh, there, there was the Mahomes, Hertz, and uh, Allen. Yep. That rolled right into Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, Joe Herbert, or uh, Justin, Justin Herbert. Herbert. Yeah, and then Trevor Lawrence. And then there was that Trevor Lawrence, and if you didn't scoop him, there was a gap. There was then, a two-round yeah, then gap. Yeah, you might as well wait a couple of rounds, and then somebody picked Deshaun Watson, somebody picked Tua. I mean, in our other league, was Tua even drafted? Yes, he was, but, but it was but, all the but way late, the significantly yeah. later, which blew, which kind of blew my mind in its own. Same thing with wide receivers. Now, I mentioned that they were going early and often in both formats. I mean, in PPR, that's no surprise. But in our standard league, that's usually running back dominated, especially with that flex position. Wide receivers went early and often. And I thought everybody had the same approach we kind of came into draft season with, was I want at least one of the top two tier wide receivers. Because tiers three and four are not super impressive. Yeah. You know, and that's just some of the things that kind of caught my eye. I, I think we both, and I guess it's when you do 19 episodes together, you spend plenty of time talking about it. We both kind of went with the same approach going in. I wanted to get at least one or two of the top two tier receivers. I wanted to get one of the top eight quarterbacks. And I wanted to either, when it came to the tight end position, I wanted to go either great or late. I was able to get great in both. So for me, going into both drafts, I feel like mission accomplished. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say was a setback on me is, is that I ended up punting the quarterback in our first draft. I was one of the I was on the outside looking in when it came to the picking those picking those quarterbacks. Um, <clears throat> in retrospect, I probably um in the in the third round I should I should have picked Josh Allen, or even in the fourth round I should have picked Trevor Lawrence. I didn't expect um I didn't expect to, them to go in the fury that they did. When I passed up on Josh Allen on the third, I thought I was going to be able to get one of. One of the other four when we're talking about Justin yeah Herbert, on the way back. Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, um, yeah. Sorry, I about expected. That. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> I expected. I expected Lamar Jackson, one of the, one of those guys, to come back to me. And when they didn't, I was like, well, there's only one person I have to worry about taking a quarterback. I'll just try to shore up another position. And then we came back around, and at the turn, they, they took Trevor Lawrence, and I was like, well, here we go. Here we're punting the quarterback. I'll wait until the eighth round to take Tua, and he got picked like. Six picks before my pick. Yeah, right about the same place. In which then it was like, well, I'm just going to wait until the ninth round now because there's no point. In which I ended up taking Daniel Jones, which um, doesn't, you know, like it's not terrible. It's also the the twelfth quarterback off the board. I mean, when um, when you see Tua go off the board and Anthony Richardson got picked up right before my pick, and not that I wanted Anthony Richardson, but at that point it was like, well, I'm just gonna. I'm just going to keep waiting now because when you think about it, you got Daniel Jones, you had uh, Rodgers, you had Cousins, you had Dak Prescott, you had uh, uh, Geno Smith, you know, Jordan Love. These guys all, I feel like there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that could put up decent numbers, but those top eight are going to be, it should be, unless of injuries or some really bad player, going to be the top eight. Yeah, and it played out on our draft, so take that information for what it will. And the one thing I wanted to point out before we move on, I know we don't need to bore everybody uh, during this segment with all our stuff, but... We were all able to, again, the approach we, we both kind of went with, top-tier receiver, uh, greater late tight end, top-eight quarterback. That approach we did because we thought there was a lot of good mid-tier running backs. And we were right. They yeah. weren't necessarily some of the guys we liked. But let me just tell you our seventh round. These are the running backs that were taken in our seventh round. Rashad White, Javante Williams, Isaiah Pacheco, Khalil Herbert, David Montgomery, A.J. Dillon, Dalvin Cook. All went in the seventh round. So, I, I mean, like, I waited. I went uh, zero running back, kind of, in that league. I shared up other positions. My first running back, I didn't take until the fifth round. Miles Sanders. Mm -hmm. 
completely fine with that. Yep. You know, and so uh, again, I, I I don't want to bore everybody with our rosters, but I just thought if there was value to be had, that middle tier of running backs was able to to get you by if you stacked on the others. Yeah, and I'll say this: if uh, if you still haven't drafted your team yet, and you're going to draft your team, if there's people you want, just go get them. Because in that first draft, there was a lot of people that I was like, you know, you do all these mock drafts, and you know, it's like, oh man, I could get this guy in this round if I get this guy in that round. So even if you go like, oh, I'm going to take him a round earlier than that just to make sure I get him. But I got snaked so many times before the turn. You, you really did. You I were frustrated. I don't know if it. I don't know if it's the fact that that everybody in our league, uh, the you know that li- listen to the podcast, or majority of them do, or the fact that, or the fact that people are just in, in with mock drafts. Even when you see who you get, and you're like, man, I really love this team. But you, everyone's looking at the same guys. You know what yeah. I mean? Like everyone's looking at the same guys. Like Zay Flowers. I got. I got. I got popped on say yeah. I got snaked on say. Oh well, yeah, I, I the executive producer Malcolm. He he snaked you a couple I got, times too. I got I got snaked on Jahan Dotson. I mean, I got Jake. I got snaked on CD Lamb. There was a bunch of guys where I would I wanted guys, and they got picked like three or four ahead of me. And maybe not CD Lamb, but the other guys. I felt like I was gonna jump early to get them, and I got out jumped. <laughs> like it's so just because you're looking at stuff and you have guys that you want some of it. If you got a guy you want. Don't hesitate. Just go out and grab him because really what difference does it make? A seventh round pick, an eighth round pick, by midseason, you're not even going to think any different of who Yeah, no are. one's going to remember yeah. where you took somebody as long as they work out. If you want somebody, go get them. So yep. We just wanted to share what we learned at our drafts with you. Hopefully you take something out of that. Hopefully you enjoy it. I, I do appreciate you listening to all the coverage. Hopefully it helped you. Uh, we did want to wrap up this episode by teasing our next episode. Our next episode will be wrapping up our off-season series. It is our favorite episode all year long. We look forward to the most. It is our bold predictions episode. So hopefully check that out. Also, check out our YouTube channel. Rick's been doing some great work there. If you followed him, he, he gave down the countdown for props last year, and he nailed it. He made a bunch of money for people. So check out next week's episode, Bold Predictions, and check out Ricky on the YouTube channel. You know, uh, anything else you want to bring up, buddy? No, no, I think you pretty much said it all, man. Uh, Bold Predictions next episode. It it is by far our favorite episode. Yeah, and you will hear the joy, so stay tuned.